thank you for your watchful care over us uh, during this past holiday season and uh, giving our members safe travels and uh, good to be back and just very thankful for all the uh, things you do for us each and every day, especially the uh, the body that meets here in Monta Vista. Well, we're just uh, mindful of those who are ill and ailing and uh, just need your help right now, especially mindful of uh, Bobby and ask that you would first give uh, him, he and Ruth Ann and Wesley a, a safe trip back home, uh, sounds like tomorrow, and uh, just help keep them strong and uh, uh, be with Ruth Ann also as she tends to him. Also, dear father, we uh, ask you to be with Neil. Just ask that the specialist on Tuesday would be able to uh, decipher the situation and get them all healed up all the way. Also, ask your special blessing and healing hand be upon uh, Denise's dad now as he uh, struggles with the uh, getting over the pneumonia. Also, dear father, we just uh, pray for a good worship day today and also our continued good travels throughout this winter. It's until winter by name we do pray. Amen. We're going to continue today, First uh, Timothy. We're going to finish it up. <clears throat> we're moving pretty quick through these things. We're not hitting each verse in particular and going through. What we're doing is we're using First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus to give us an overarching and over a view, so to speak, of how can we live fruitful, faithful, and effective lives. Right? What was Paul talking about when he talked to Timothy? How can we take those and apply them to our own lives so that we too can uh, reap those benefits? Uh, today we're going to break this down into four small sections. We're camped out in 1 Timothy 6 today. We're going to start in verse 2 and we're going to go through the end of the chapter and we're going to finish out uh, 1 Timothy today. Five weeks into it, halfway through, we're starting 2 Timothy tomorrow. We are not slowing down. So, <laughs> Steve's like, good, keep it going. But our four sections today are going to deal with the negative and the positive. Uh, the first one is, is the negative, the false teachers and how they're motivated by gain. Right? And we're going to grab that from chapter 6, verse 2 through verse 10. Then we're going to talk about the positive. Paul is really nice and just kind of pulls right into the positive, right behind that negative aspect. And he says, hey, godly teachers, though, are motivated by eternal life. That's a positive thing, and that's coming from verse 11 through 16. In verse 17 through 19, we get a charge to the wealthy. Earlier in the chapters in, in, in Timothy, Paul was very cautious about striving for being rich the rich folks don't try to get there kind of deal now he's going to charge those who are already rich and then in the end he's going to um, tell timothy again guard this gospel right and that comes from the last two chapters there chapter six is a conclusion it wraps up in a very nice neat bow everything that we talked about from chapter 1 through chapter 5. Paul is going to continue to encourage Timothy to teach sound doctrine, to pursue love, be all that you can be kind of deal, right? This is the army. No offense, Mr. Leonard. Uh, be all you can be. Um, but he's going to continue to encourage Timothy to do this. And chapter 1 really parallels chapter 6 if you haven't noticed it before, if you haven't. How many have read the, the scripture for today, chapter 6? Don't raise your hands, please. I don't want to see that. I don't make liars out of me. No, I read it once last night, actually. Um, no, just kidding. Um, 
So in, in chapter 1, if you're looking at chapter 1, and you're looking at chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 5, Paul directs Timothy to teach sound doctrine and pursue love. In chapter 6, verse 2, verse 11, Timothy directs, or excuse me, Paul directs Timothy to pursue sound doctrine and love. Chapter 1. And in chapter 6 again, Paul explains here that the opponents of God's world lack understanding and they've departed from the truth. Again, almost chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1, right on through. They're very parallel on how they talk. And chapter 1, verse 7 through 10, correlates to chapter 6, 5 through 6, where Paul corrects misunderstanding concerning the law and what godliness really is how it's supposed to work. And then he concludes, just like he opened. Right? Timothy, guard what's entrusted to you. Why would Paul go through and reiterate the almost word for word, if you read it, chapter 1 and chapter 6, why would he reiterate to Timothy Again, what's going on? Was, was Timothy not able to understand this the first time? <laughs> Say it two or three times. We are important people. And what he's really telling him is important, right? It is that important that we reiterate it again. How many people do you know that have been dragged away from the church by false teachers, dissension, splits. I bet everybody in this room could name on one, two, maybe grab your neighbor's hands and start counting on those hands too. How many people have left the church because of this very thing? This is not new. It was reiterated then. We have false teachers. It's reiterated now. We have false teachers. Right? Our faith, our faithful, fruitful lives must be spent living godly lives in order for us to guard what's entrusted to us. Does that make sense? We have to live the same way that Paul was telling Timothy. Otherwise, we're falling into the same traps. So what's entrusted to us? He finishes this whole thing out by going, hey, uh, guard what's entrusted to you. What's entrusted to Timothy? What was entrusted to him? Gospel. Yeah. And henceforth, it's entrusted to us. It's no different than in Timothy's time. The gospel was entrusted to Timothy. Timothy, you pass it along now. It's basically what Paul says in chapter 1 through chapter 6. Here's the word. Pass it along. Let's quickly read chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 2, right at the last uh, sentence of verse 2. So uh, not the whole thing, but there and where it starts instead. They should serve them better because their masters are dear to them and fellow believers are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. False teachers, this is the negative aspect that we were talking about. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. 
They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malice talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is the means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing out of the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God who gives life to everything, and to Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only, only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from the godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what, falsely, what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed, and in so doing, have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. That first section is, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do what? Uh, yeah, y'all. <laughs> Paul was texting. We have confirmed. Yep, y'all. Um, negative teaching. The false teachers. They're motivated by gain. What is false teachers' motivation? According to Paul, financial wealth. Yeah, basically the almighty dollar, isn't it? I think um, sometimes an increase in reputation is 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 the kind of gain they seek as well. Increase in reputation. Okay. Pardon me. Power. Power. Absolutely. They're looking for that money, that power, that reputation increase. All that comes with what? What do you get? The, the power. How do you get the power? How do you get the reputation increase? Leading more astray. 
leading more astray. More people you get, the more money. You What's get the more. root of this whole thing? Money. Money. The love of money. Money in itself is not bad. Money is amoral. You can do a lot of good with money, or you can do a lot of bad with money. Right? It's our attitude towards money, the love of that money that's going to do it, right? Let me ask you, what's your motivation in life? Have you thought about it? What do we strive for? If, we have, if we're honest with ourselves, what are we striving for? What do we work for day in and day out? Is it a bad thing to go and work for this almighty dollar? No worky, no eaty. Yeah. <laughs> you don't work, you don't eat. This is not a bad thing. However, when the love of that money starts to override everything else, we start to change our own mindset. And we start to strive for worldly items. It's the bottom line. Right? When we are focused and we have a gospel-centered focus on Christ and on what we can do with our money, does that change our lives any? I think so. We're not just looking to put food on the table. We're not looking just to put a roof over our heads. We're also looking, how can I better somebody else? How can I help? How can I strive to help, right? And Paul sets a standard for sound doctrine in the first few verses here in this chapter. In verse 6 specifically, what was the standard that Paul set Be content with what you have. That's it. There's our standard. That's what we have to strive for. However, we are people. <laughs> we are human. Right? We want this. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. I want fill in the blank. Paul says, strive for contentment. What does he mean by contentment? Someone want to grab Philippians 4, verse 11? Somebody else flip over to Hebrews 13, verse 5. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have been content whatever the circumstances. What about Hebrews? Hebrews 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So what is contentment? God has blessed you. Being content with what God has given us. 
10 million, 10,000, or 10 dollars. Absolutely, be content with what God has given you. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He tells us that in Hebrew there. Trust in Him. Absolutely. They got the natural human, human inclination to want them? I don't think so either. No, I don't think so. Well, that strictly by the letter. Okay, I got this, I'm good. I'm going to sit down and rest for a while. I mean, that's, that would be counter godly, I think. Yeah. So, so what is the opposite of godliness with contentment? Never satisfied with what we have. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a good thing or a bad thing, according to Paul here? Bad. Holy mouth. Push it out. We're done. But no, that does not replace that human inclination that we have. It's just a mindset that we've got to overcome. That's how we start to apply this to a fruitful and effective, faithful life. We will always have that inclination. However, we control it. It does not control us. That's the difference. Two sides of that coin. One is the, the person that, that's preaching and teaching just so he can get rich. He's using that as a way to, to get rich. But I also see it as the person that, I think they call it the gospel of prosperity. You follow God, God's going to bless you so much you're not going to be able to. And he may or he may not. And if he doesn't, you're, not, you're, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. People like that naturally have an inclination to want more. If I follow what this guy says, then... You got my notes, huh? <laughs> enough is as good as a feast. Do what? Enough is as good as a feast. Enough is as good as a feast, yes. Enough is as good as a feast. But yes, there's that, you know, if I am teaching and preaching Christ, I'm going to have so much that is going to be coming out my ears. Where does that say that here? Let's just take out the back half of the Bible, though, first, or the first half of the Bible. <laughs> Nowhere. We will have troubles. We will encounter hardship by following Christ. It's going to happen. But we're not building a foundation for right here. Where are we building that foundation for? Yeah. And Paul in his wise wisdom goes, that's the negative, look at the positive. Bam. Those who are godly teachers are motivated not by gain, but by financial, or by eternal life, right? And that's what he talks about in this next section here. So what are some things, uh, someone grab 2 Timothy 2.22. Those who are on 1 Timothy 6.11 already, stay there. What does Paul tell Timothy to flee? And what does he tell him to pursue, according to those two verses there? What does he tell him to flee? Let's start with that. Flee the evil desires of youth. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. Desires of what is that? 
What is that? Immaturity, Mr. Curtis says. Evil desires of youth. Desires and goals when we're 18 and 25 versus 55. I'm just trying to make it right now, right? When I was 18, I wanted what? Man, I had the, the nice car in my head, right? I was going to drive that fast car. I was going to have lots of that in the bank. You know, this is what we were pursuing. Oh, for me? Cool. For others? Now, we're going to stop there. Because nothing else is right. I'll just put that one right there right now. It's not right. Yeah, the opposite sex. Oh, yeah. But I did succeed on that one. I got the beautiful wife. I, I failed on the rest. I didn't get the money in the bank. I've got a nice vehicle. It gets me and does the job, and I'll have to be content with that. I'm okay with it, right? The evil desires of youth, the immaturity, the thoughts of, of grandeur, Glorious, right? Yeah. What's Paul tell Timothy to pursue? We had what? Righteousness? What else did we have? Faith. Awesome. Love. Peace. Perseverance. Persevere. I don't know how to spell it. We're just going to put that in there. There's a lot of E's, a lot of R's, a lot of A. Maybe one A. What else do we have? Pure heart. Pure heart. Purity. Gentleness, right? Godliness. So let me ask you this. <laughs> Paul sums up, this is what we're supposed to flee, right? Let me, let me remove all that. <laughs> this is what we're supposed to flee, but then gives us this long list of what to pursue. <laughs> Why? Could he have not just wrapped all that? If you had to take... All this, and, and write it in your own words, and tell Timothy to pursue one thing, what would it be? Godliness. Pursue godliness and flee the evils of youthful desire. There we go. We summed it all up. Right? But he gives us this long list. Why? Why did he give us that list of, of things that we needed to pursue? Make life worth living. Absolutely. This is where life is, isn't it? I can chase and I can chase and I can chase and I will never have enough. But if I pursue those, if I pursue peace, what else do I get? 
I'm going to start getting some of these others, right? Now, again, if I'm pursuing this, I'm never going to have enough. I'm going to want more love. I'm going to want more perseverance. I want more purity. Those are good things to strive for. But those are the things that make you happy, aren't they? I think that reminds me of the scout up in law, right? Because you got trustworthy, loyal, helpful, and then you keep going. You can't have one of those without the other. Exactly. Yeah. You can't have one without the other if you're pursuing them correctly. Absolutely. This is the positive. This gets us to heaven. Paul makes an interesting statement here in verse 13. And he's talking about Jesus before Pontius and how Jesus made the good confession. 1 John 18, or 1 John, yeah. Let's go to 1 John 18. <laughs> yeah, you can find 1 John 18, you're amazing. We're going to John 18, sorry. We're going to be looking at 33 through 37 there. This is where Jesus is before Pontius, all right? And he says to him, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? I am a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight and prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, he replied. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Big fat rabbit question. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out. What is the good confession that Jesus gave that Paul talks about here? What is that good confession? Sorry. He's the king. Yeah. I have come, but not from here. You call me a king. And in fact, my place is not here on earth. It is someplace else. If it was here on earth, those who were listening to me would be fighting you. But those who are in the know, why go to battle? Why would we fight? What would we be fighting? <clears throat> Jesus said, if I were from here, people would fight for me. They're not fighting for me. Why? Do we need to? Is there a battle? Where? It's here. We don't need to pick up swords. We don't need to pick up shields. We don't need to go defend anyone to save their life. We don't. The war is waged here between my heart 
in God. How am I getting to heaven? Jesus already won this thing, didn't he? Why do we need to fight for something that's already won? That's already purchased. That's already done. That's already completed. Now what are we fighting for? Also got the, the concept of an earthly kingdom or, or land there you or go. property or whatever. Not spiritual things. No. We have a choice. Choices. We have a choice. Choice to do what? Follow after good or follow after our own evil desires. Exactly. Here's the war. Here's what we're fighting for spiritual aspect. Now at this time, they were still thinking, some of them, the Messiah was coming for that earthly kingdom, right? Christ put that to rest when he was talking to Pilate. <laughs> I am not here as an earthly king. For if I was, they would then stand up and fight for me. They would prevent you from doing this. It, it, it holds that inclination of, if I were here, there's nothing that you could do to take me. They would prevent you. He didn't say they would try. He said they would. Christ didn't need to. Right? Absolutely not. He says to run. To flee. This word here. It's a great word. In the Latin, fugio means to run fast actually means to escape evil desires. Through the good confession, if we truly believe that, Christ did not come here for a worldly kingdom. He came here to help save sinners. 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy tell us that quite plainly. He came to save sinners so that they too could have eternal life. Right? When were the first century Christians looking for Christ's return? He continues with that and, and tells him that, you know, Timothy, you know, continue what you're doing until Christ returns. When were first century Christians thinking Christ was coming back? Soon and very basically, it's not going to be long, but continue with what you're doing. You remember the saying, just wait till your dad gets home? <laughs> right? Right? Ouch, not something we wanted to hear, right? What's, what's Paul telling Timothy here? He didn't say, wait until your dad got home. What did he say? He's coming. Wait until your brother comes to get you. Do this until your brother's coming to get you, to take you home to your father. That's a whole different attitude, right? Now, brothers, and I've never had a brother, but I've had sisters. And there's a different relationship between siblings, isn't there? They've been gone for a long time. They do like to get together and see each other, don't they? Absolutely. How many of us like to go still see our siblings? We look forward to it. 
That's what Paul's kind of telling him. This is an encouragement here, right? Do the good stuff now. It won't be long. Continue to do it. Paul gets into the uh, wealthy. We're going to move through this rather quickly. Um, he spoke earlier about the desire to be rich. Now he's speaking to those who are already rich. And he tells them, be cautious. Don't get haughty. And he tells Timothy to pass this along. This is the temptation for the wealthy, is that they look down on the less fortunate. So in the New Testament, are riches a sign of God's blessing in the New Testament? See, those are the notes that you stole out of my, my book. No. What about the Old Testament? According to the old law. Absolutely. Divine favor was a token of the old law. You will have increased. Look at Moses. Look at uh, Solomon. Look at the flip to the first half of this book and start reading. If they followed God, riches ensued. And that's what these guys here in the New Testament were thinking. I'm going to follow God. And because of that, I'm going to get rich. That's where this false teacher started. Not in the New Testament, not anymore. He tells them, don't trust in wealth. It's fleeting, that word uncertainty. Right? That quick, it's gone. You can neither take it in, nor take it out. <laughs> Why pursue it? It's worthless. The one thing that remains and is firm and is unyielding is our hope in God. And that's what Paul tells Timothy here. Hold to that hope in God. God is the one who provides. Why does He provide for us? Why does God provide for us? So we can cheer, right? Who richly provides, so if you're looking at uh, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put in their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, gone. Put your hope in God. Who provides us with everything? Why? For our enjoyment. Now remember Christmas, we just got out of Christmas time there, right? How many people love to give the gifts? I remember as a kid, I couldn't wait so I could open up the gifts. I wanted them. But as we get older, we want to give. That's the enjoyment. God gives to us if we're pursuing so that we too can give and does that not make us happy? Does that not make us smile? Yeah. Absolutely. We give as well. That's a different mindset than what we have in society today, isn't it? Gimme, 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 gimme. Hand is out. Oh, I need more. i got to get on welfare. Oh, I'm going to have to get like six more kids now so that I can get more out of my welfare. How about trying to give back? Now, there are those, I do admit, that do need that kind of assistance. It happens. 
be content with what we have. God will provide. But those who are out there just with a hand out all the time, an empty hand, I should say, aren't getting life's enjoyment, are they? God provided to us so that we could have enjoyment. He wraps up 1 Timothy in verse 20 and 21 the same way that he opened it. He opened the letter to Timothy praying that he would experience grace and mercy and peace. And we talked about those things. And he closes it in the same way. May grace be with you. Let me ask you a quick question here. We've read pretty much this whole chapter. Who did Paul write 1 Timothy to? Who? Timothy? Read that last sentence. Y'all. Y'all. Paul's a Texan. What does y'all mean in the Greek? It is plural. Grace and peace be with you all. Now, if this letter was simply written to Timothy, why didn't he just leave it at you, singular? What is this letter? It's a sermon. <laughs> Absolutely. We get along somebody, a family member or a friend. He, it's addressed to us, and we read it, but we share it with others. We share it with others. This letter is not just written to Timothy, is it? Who else is this written to? Absolutely. And I wouldn't say just Christians. Why would I say that? First Timothy 1, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. This is written for everyone. He tells Paul, or tells Timothy here, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Now, if you look at 1 Timothy 1, Paul is telling him that, hey, I was entrusted with something. What was Paul entrusted with? Timothy 1, verse 11, I believe. Let me flip over and take a look. That confirms the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. What did Paul do with this letter? Timothy, guard now what has been entrusted to you. He gave Timothy what he had. Timothy is to take that. Now grace and peace be with you all who now is entrusted with that gospel. Yeah, whoever hears it. Right? The, pers the principles, the personal encouragement that Paul gave to Timothy, we also got. There's something to think about. Paul's encouraging us. 
He's talking to us as well. That's something amazing to think about. All these years later, we got something that personal from Paul as well. So the question is, how are we going to take that and make faithful, fruitful, effective lives? Again, that's a choice only you can make. <laughs> that's 1 Timothy. Next week we're going to start in 2 Timothy. We're going to take uh, chapter 1, and we're going to take the first seven verses in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy next week. Um, suffering for Christ. What does that mean? We'll take a look at it next week. Thank you all. I appreciate your time.